Welcome to Front Porch Confessional, your weekly Devo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 277, and welcome back to my front porch. Uh, it's a beautiful night here in Phoenix. Not a lot of wind, just pretty calm. I'm missing the wind. I had, we had the wind this week. It was so amazing. It doesn't happen all the time here in Phoenix, so when it happens, I'm like super stoked. Uh, but yeah, no no wind today, super calm. Uh, funny story. Now, this is kind of a Goki story. I, I'm, I'm like an encyclopedia of weird stuff that happens all the time or just, you know, uh, things that, you know, where if it's supposed to go right, it's supposed to go left. But I just, at this point, it used to bother me. Uh, at this point, it's just funny. It's just funny, and it's a part of our lives, and a, a part of poor Patty. She married into this name. She married into this name. I'm sure she would have had a wonderful life that wasn't so crazy and chaotic. But tis uh, this is what it means to be a Goki. Uh, so anyway, uh, we're getting some work done in the house. House built in 1949 needs a paint job. Uh, the paint on the house <laughs> legit is a yellow, so it's a yellow house. And then they've got it. It's half stucco, half brick. And so the stucco uh, has these like bump outs around the windows, like from the 90s. And so I was like, well, before we paint it, might as well just knock those out, make it look a little cleaner, update it a little bit. So we hired somebody to come over and do that. Um, again, super easy job, not a big deal. Well, he calls me, this is Wednesday. He calls me and says, hey, you need to come over right now. So I come over to the house and he's like only taking down one of the bump outs around the window in like, and like a ton of the stucco is like gone on the house and you can see the old brick behind it. And I'm like, what, what happened? And he was like, I took off one of these and the stucco just fell. So come to find out window after window, this is what happens. So our very small, easy fix on the house now gets to, uh, now gets into restuccoing the about three quarters of the house, a little bit more than that, three quarters of the house, and tripled the price of what it was going to cost just to do the bump outs. And I could just see poor Patty. Her mind is just like exploding. It's like, you know, we budget pretty, pretty sharp and, and try to be really careful when we get into these things and doing a lot of research. And, and it was just like, and it was, for me, it was like, I just went par for the course. It's par for the course. This is kind of my life in a nutshell. Like if it's supposed to go to the right, it generally goes to the left a little bit. But I've learned, I've learned like, what is it? Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. Just kind of entering into it going like life is an adventure. So maybe, just maybe, you're in the midst of an adventure right now. Like, and it can really bum you out and it can really hold you down. Um, but que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. You know, it, it, it will work out. Um, and it might not work out the way you want to, but that doesn't mean that we can't learn something in it, grow in something, um, and you just don't know. And this really is truly a foundational thing uh, for me, both in the good and the bad. You just don't know uh, what God is revealing through that. You just don't know. And um, and, and so for, for me, that creates some form of anticipation, even, I would say, even in struggle, even in pain, even in confusion, there's this moment where he's like, hang on. You know, I've been doing this study through the book of Job. It's been really helpful. Um, and all through the book of Job, he's basically, some of the commentaries I've been reading is like, don't skip to the end. Like, you've got to go through the hurt, the pain, the confusion, 
But there is this really beautiful end in Job, this this honoring that God brings to him for his faithfulness. And so maybe that's where you're at right now. And maybe just allowing God to overwhelm you or um, allow you to see that, that he's doing something. Um, and um, But a lot of times we can't perceive it, but he is working, even in the midst of the hard and also in the good. He's doing some cool things. So, hey, thanks uh, for all of you who continue to listen uh, episode after episode. Really love it. Thank you for all your generosity over these years. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to be generous towards the podcast, uh, feel free. You can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Front Porch Confessional, or um, there's other ways that you can give too. Um, you can hit me up on on Instagram, and I'd love to be able to share those with you. Okay, uh, our passage for today is Luke nineteen forty one, and it says this: "And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it." Um, this passage is so unbelievably important to me. You know, I went, I went ten years. I think I went about ten years without crying. And I thought like something wrong with me. Like I just wasn't drawn to tears and I, I, I just felt so disconnected. Um, but I was still alive, still laughed, still had fun. I just really, really struggled to be emotional. And I, I mean, I went, we went through some incredibly difficult times during those 10 years. Um, I actually was in counseling during those 10 years. You know, I went for a year. Um, this would have been when Patty and I were probably first married, but I just didn't cry. I didn't have those emotions, didn't have that deep-rooted feeling. You know, I'd meet with people who had horrible situations, and I just, I, I couldn't muster up, I don't, for some reason, couldn't muster up the tears. And I really kind of, like, was questioning myself through that whole period of time, like, what is really, really going on? And this passage helped me. It was a part of that recovery process for me. You know, this moment in this passage is what I would call a centering image for me. It's something I go back to over and over and over and over. You know, Jesus has selflessly served. He's healed and he's cared for the people. He has tirelessly just loved and he's listened. And the people have just finished yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, save us, save us to Jesus. And from all appearances, right? Like if you're, if you're looking at this story uh, kind of objectively, you're going, things look like they're going really, really great. Like a really great, like our Western minds, uh, as this kind of narrative is unfolding is like, listen, if you build it, they will come and, and finally look all his hard work, all his ministry, all his care is coming into the culmination of this moment where all the people are proclaiming, save us, save us, right? And they're, they're putting down the palm branches. And it's just this, he seems like this very beautiful moment. But the problem is they're, 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 they're coming to the wrong thing. They're, they're going after this in the wrong way. They only want Jesus for what they believe him to be rather than who he actually is. And what is Jesus's response in this moment? It's grief. It's deep grief. And here's the thing, like, I have neglected this moment with Jesus for years, for years, right? I, I, I didn't know 
what to do with an emotional savior. I I didn't know what to do with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, like grieving. Like I didn't know what to do that. I wanted to kind of like stand next to him and say, what like, what are you crying? What are you crying about? What are you crying about? Of course they don't get it, right? Of course they don't get it, but but you're still gonna die and raise again and make everything right and redeem everything, right? And Jesus, meanwhile, Jesus, meanwhile, is crying. And I'm like, Jesus, why are you crying? But here's the thing, but he did cry. And, you know, as I think about this narrative, like, I just have like somebody, somebody saw this after the Hosanna and the Hosanna and Palm Sunday, like somebody saw Jesus, you know, got a glimpse of him right after all the celebration and and they saw him grieving and maybe heard him say these words, you know, the words that he was saying about how they're like sheep without a shepherd and they kill the prophets and, you know, and maybe they were confused too. Maybe they were as confused as I have been in the past. Just like, what is happening here? And what's happening is Jesus is heartbroken. He's heartbroken by our sin and rejection, not just about uh, us kind of abandoning the truth, but him, it's just him. They've abandoned him as a human, abandoned him as the true Messiah of the world, abandoned him. And those are real feelings that he's having. These are real feelings in this moment that he is having. And if, if I'm honest, I want to tell Jesus how he feels, right? Instead of joining him on the hill and grieving with him. You know, I feel so often like like Jesus is asking me to join him on that hill and just to weep and to grieve my own sin, but also the sins and the pains and the confusions of others. And, uh, you know, so often <clears throat> I'm so action-oriented. You know, I'm so action-oriented to really do that. You know, I'm trying to be proactive, how can we solve this? How can we make this better? And, and, and I'm trying to be proactive rather than just being present in that pain. And here's what Jesus is teaching us. This is what Jesus has taught me is to be present in the pain and to be present in the rejection. Don't push it away. And, and, and as I think about that, I go, man, this is so hard right? And it's so hard. And and to be honest, this is why today, you know, Good Friday has always been hard for me. It's been a really difficult day for me. You know, I I struggle with a grieving Jesus. I really do. And I really struggle with a dying Jesus. You know, I struggle to see my sin and the sin of others. I struggle to see myself as an enemy of God and that Jesus had to die in order to redeem that reality, you know, really the reality is like, nope, I'm, I, I don't know what to do with that. I'm just going to reject that. What I really want is I want to microwave Jesus, right? I want to fix it all, Jesus. I want the genie in the bottle, Jesus. I, I want the I love you, Jesus, all the time. But Jesus is welcoming, welcoming us into his humanity, right? He's welcoming us in, into his humanity, 
He's welcoming us into the grief and the pain of this world. He's welcoming us into the world that rejects those who want to selflessly serve. And then people reject you, right? He, he wants you. He wants you to enter into that world. He's welcoming you into it. He is welcoming us into the cross. And he's inviting us to look in his eyes and see his broken, bloodied body, to hear his grieving, to hear his groaning, to listen and to hear it is finished. He wants us to feel those feelings, to ask the question, is that, is that, is that it? Like, is that it? Was this whole Messiah thing just a, just a sham? This is what it means to be human. To be human is to grieve when we're hurt and rejected, to scream in pain when things hurt, to hope that people will change and then lament when they walk away from that. He is modeling for us what a real human looks like. You know, and <clears throat> as I've been working through this, I just think like maybe, just maybe, that is where resurrection begins. It begins in our hearts. And when you and I come face to face with the pain that we've gone through and we, we, and we see it in Jesus and we join him in his death, what happens? Well, we get to be raised into new life, into new hope, into new love, but we get to do it in him. This is what this moment is. This is why I want to join Jesus on that hill as he's grieving. And I don't want to say any words. I just want to stand there with him. And I want to put my arm around him. And maybe he'll put his arm around me. And we just weep. And we grieve. And I was thinking about so many of you. So I know so many of your stories. You know, some of you who listen. And, and as I was working through this passage, I just thought, man, I'm joining Jesus on the hill you know, and grieving over death and destruction, hurt and pain, the tears that so many of you cry. And I just keep, I want to rush past this moment and I, and I want to rush past the cross to get into resurrection life. But here's what Jesus does in this moment. He just pauses and he grieves. And so that's what I want to do. I want to lament with those of you who are lamenting. I want to hurt with you. Because I think that's what Jesus does and is doing. And the reality is if we don't accept all of Jesus, then we're not accepting Jesus at all. And what do we find here Jesus doing? Crying, weeping, grieving, lamenting. And I don't know about you. It's really hard for me to join him there, but I really want to. So the question is this. Why is Good Friday hard for you? Father God, I, I struggle to even pray a bit. I am so grateful. I am so grateful for what we get to experience on Sunday. But right now, I'm grieved with your son Jesus that it took his death in order for us to be made right before you. And so I join him in all the human emotions that goes around with what he went through. 
and join others all around the world as I know you do, that you're near to the brokenhearted and you care for those who are hurting. Thank you that you modeled this so well for us, for your glory and your honor. So, take a breath, reflect, and believe that the God of the universe is near to you in your own heartbeat. Until next time, cheers.